I was worried it was getting a little dodgy in the middle part, but then that finale. <laughs> wow! Hello and welcome to Two for One, the podcast where we discuss two movies that are based on the same source material. Today we'll be discussing Old Boy, the 2003 film, as well as Old Boy, the 2013 film, both of them based on a Japanese manga of the same name. I'm Claire. And I'm David. So the 2003 movie is a South Korean movie. It is in the Korean language, which I do not speak. The 2013 is an American movie that is in English, which obviously I do speak. Probably ju just the language barriers is the main difference there. But both movies follow pretty much the same plot line. A man is uh, imprisoned after a drunken night out on the town. Um, he ends up in captivity in a hotel room essentially for 15 years eating the same thing every day, watching TV every day, and wondering what has happened to him, who did this to him, and why. After 15 years, he is released and sets out on a uh, course of revenge against whoever did this to him. He obviously doesn't know who did it to him, so it's sort of a mystery thriller. Uh, the man in the Korean version uh, is named Odaisu, and he's played by Choi Min-sik, and in the American version, Josh Brolin playing a man named Joe Doucette, which is obviously some sort of Americanization of Odaisu. Yeah, so he wakes up one day released from prison. Uh, he meets a woman who helps him, and thus starts off our love story, and he starts to unravel who imprisoned him and why, which leads to all of the action and violence in the subsequent scenes of the film. I remember the first time we watched two, the 2003 version, and, well, I think anyone who has seen that movie can understand just how it is certainly disturbing, but also just it sort of blows your mind, the, the twists of the movie. Yeah, well, I had seen it, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie, like, five or six times by now. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I, I think the 2003 Korean version is, it's a great movie and uh, it is very like visceral and disturbing in a way. Uh, there, there's a few famous scenes. Uh, one, I think the, the, there's a fight scene. The one track, the one shot yeah, scene. Yeah, there's a one shot uh, fight scene that just tracks all the way through a hallway, so you're sort of parallel with the action the whole time. Odaisu fighting an entire gang of like 20 people, mm -hmm. uh, and the camera just pans with Odaisu all the way down the hallway as he beats everybody up and, and escapes from uh, from this, this fight scene that he's put himself into. Uh, there's the scene where Odaisu eats the, the octopus. The live octopus, which... Isn't the actor himself Buddhist? He had some reservations about eating the live animal because it's actually a real shot of him consuming the animal. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he said that he said a prayer for every yeah. for every take that they did. He was released from his cell and he's out in the world now. 
he goes to a restaurant and the first thing he says basically is I want to eat something that's alive yeah you know and I partially I think it's you know he's been eating the same crappy food from uh, you know for the last 15 years and partially he's just a weirdo and it's a weird movie but uh, he ends up he, he gets served a live octopus and he eats the whole thing and so you see him put it in his mouth and the tentacles are all around his face and it's just very like viscerally off-putting it's not even that disgusting it's just very off-putting right and it's it's just incredible that it's not something that can be rehearsed and it's not like you know i'm sure if it was done with cgi the tentacles would be doing something crazy you know but it's literally just this is what it looks like to eat an octopus yeah. straight off the plate. But I feel like we're not doing this movie enough credit because we went on, right off the bat we went into just like what are the weird things or like the no these are the iconic things. I the, mean, those I think, are that's right like those are iconic like scenes from the movie but like it's more than it's more than just like gimmicky like weird shit. No, it's incredible. I mean, I might be getting like overboard in my praise of it but i think it's like daring choices in movie making is what made old boy the 2003 version so incredible and impactful mm-hmm. that it has the live octopus scene the the one shot i mean everyone's always trying to make the best new one shot and i think the old boy scene is it certainly stands above the rest of yeah. shows and movies that have the well, one shot. I mean, you've got Daredevil. I think clearly inspired by Old Boy doing yeah, the, the one shot. Yeah, the Daredevil TV show, mm-hmm. the first season. But also, but I think the the story too is something that was incredibly daring um, to commit to such a intense tale. It's a strange story, I think, uh, but very interesting. I, I think there's clearly inspiration from previous like escape from prison or like wrongful imprisonment retribution kind of things uh you know count of monte cristo count of monte cristo is the obvious one um i think shawshank redemption obviously also Mm -hmm. owes a lot to count of monte cristo but you can't make a prison movie without thinking about that now right and there's a few funny things like when he's in prison doesn't he he like he gets an extra chopstick and he tries to use that to like chisel out of yeah. his of his cell and eventually he just gets released so like that came to nothing you know yes. but like the idea that like the Count of Monte Cristo Shawshank Redemption idea of like you can have a tiny chisel and eventually you'll you'll make it out I believe that that was kept in the American version too right that he's been tunneling and right when he's gotten to the end that's when he gets this when he sedated gets released. And, and released all right, having sort of shared what makes the story and the original movie so notable, I think we can get straight into talking about the relative merits and faults of these movies. Well, the motion picture teleplay was uh, respectful and exhibited tastefulness and class. Who made you an expert all of a sudden? And I will start by saying I think the 2013 version tried to top those things that made the 2003 version notable, but it's really just doing it again 
like the one shot scene they're like okay we'll do a one shot in the 2013 version but we will make it longer you know mm -hmm. and even down to his imprisonment right because it's 15 years in 2003 is it 20 years and 20 yeah years 20 a, years it's a rounder number maybe yeah it it I, there's a couple things that that i would want to say about that i mean first of all with the one shot fight scene in the hallway the original well, with the remake, mm -hmm. they, I felt like, so this movie is directed by Spike Lee. Yes. And I felt like Spike Lee was just like, I can't beat this. I have to like, everybody that wants to watch, nobody would want to watch this movie if they hadn't already seen the original Old Boy, right? So they're bound to be disappointed because they've seen not, the original Not that they're bound to be disappointed, but like, they're going to be looking for this scene, but mm -hmm. like. I can't just like do the same thing. I have to do something different, but I have to do it, right? In in the American one, the scene starts and I think it's like 10 seconds long. Joe Doucette fights like four guys and he beats them easily. Mm -hmm. And that's like the one shot tracking shot. And then he's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I beat them." And then like he jumps down to like the lower a uh, lower level of the parking lot that he's at. And then it becomes like a much bigger fight and then i think spike lee has a little more freedom to like shoot it how he wants you know i gave you that he won that fight and now i'm doing my own thing i remember i what stood out to me was that they introduced the vertical element with yeah. him jumping down but I, it's still all one shot i think like having that break so he he has like a a fight with just a few guys and then he jumps down and then he has a fight with way more guys okay i i did part of it but like i'm not gonna commit to being better than this you know mm -hmm. and i thought the fight scene was like it was pretty good i liked the levels of it the original old boy that scene was compared to video games a lot and right I think, side uh, scrolling yeah, and I think the director, Park Chan-wook, I think he's always said, like, that wasn't something that was on my mind, right? Interesting. I, I thought I'd read that. No, I just think it's interesting because it comes across very much side-scrolling. But I yeah. think that's just, he was probably thinking about the confines of the hallway. Yeah. Enabling him to make that, you know, right. that shot and not realizing, or not thinking about the fact that that's, how video games are set up, you know, the confines of a side scroller. Maybe, and then yeah, fight. yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because even um, even like the other famous one shots. I don't know. I'm thinking of like so in Daredevil, they did a hallway scene, but the camera moved around, right? Uh, in Children of Men, there's a famous like single shot scene where you follow. Oh, is um, that him coming out of the? Yeah, yeah. The after building? after the first baby in 20 years is born and all um, the fighting stops they come out of the building yeah and so like there there's all this fighting and then the fighting stops uh, and then it restarts but you just follow the action through the building out of the building and like for like a few minutes right but the camera moves with the character right uh and i think in in old boy the camera is literally all it does is pan from left to right. From left to right. And sometimes when Odaisu, like, he, he, like, takes a knife to the back. And, he does. And he gets, he gets real hurt and stuff. So sometimes he staggers backward. And then the camera will be like, oh, we're not moving forward. <laughs> right. we're, we're moving backward a little bit. 
But, like, it doesn't, like, the angles don't change during that entire fight. Yeah. And so I think Spike Lee, by doing, like, a, a, a mini version of that fight and then changing the angle, that's his way of being, like, I did it, we're done, but now we're doing it in my way. You don't need to compare it, you know? Which, of course, is what this podcast is about, is comparing these things. So <laughs> right. it didn't work, but... I think the other thing that stands out to me in the fight scene, which I think is a good starting point to talk about because it is one of the most iconic parts of the movie, is the physicality of Choi Min-sik versus Josh Brolin. Odaisu, the character in the Korean movie, is so... He's so scrappy. Like, he's strong, clearly. Mm-hmm. Lean, muscular. We've been watching him punching the wall and training in the, in the hotel room that he's been locked in. Mm. So you believe he will win the fight, but he's got, like, the crazy man edge to the fight, you know? Which is also apparent in his hair and his entire look. Oh, yeah. His... Whereas Josh Brolin is literally Thanos. <laughs> yeah, Josh Brolin, I think, uh, it looked like they made him a little pudgy in the beginning of the movie. I think so, yeah. I don't know if it was, like, trickery or if, like, Josh Brolin did something. In the Korean version, uh, Choi Min-sik looks totally different. Like, if you, so you watch the opening scene where he's just... He's been arrested for public intoxication, presumably, mm-hmm. talking shit to the police. This is the first <laughs> scene of the movie before he's been imprisoned. He looks totally different from the way he does in the yes. rest of the movie. It's the same guy, but, like, it doesn't... Like, it does not look and sound and act like it's not the same person. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's the sort of thing where watching it, the transition happens and you know it's him the whole time. But then as soon as you finish the movie, if you go back and watch the opening scene, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Odesu. <laughs> yeah. And we, we've watched this movie. I mean, we've watched it multiple times, but for this podcast... We watched it twice. Mm-hmm. And so, like, going from watching the whole movie with Odaisu, like, looking one way, and then watching the first scene again, that's not even him, you know? Yeah. Because it, the the time of his imprisonment brings such insanity to his look. Yeah. <laughs> he's He is scrappy, and, like, he is, he is uh, I think, toned. You know, there's kind of a running joke where he is in the room and he's practicing fighting but he's also like masturbating to k-pop videos and so then he gets out and he's like oh does like 15 years of practice like prepare me for the real world and then he beats up some street toughs and he's like yes it does (laughs) and then he like tries to have sex with this girl and he's like does 15 years of practice prepare me for the real world and he's like no it doesn't it does not yes even though uh he gets rejected at first that uh, that woman Mido, played by Kang Kye Jung, does really right after tell him, actually, I'm really into you, and you know, I want to keep taking care of you, and also have a relationship with you. Yeah, sort of. Which in happens a, very inexplicably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he he gets out and he meets her at the first restaurant he goes to, and she's actually the chef who he tells, I want to eat something alive, and she's like. Uh, okay and then he passes out at the restaurant and she takes him home and that's when that's when his come on happens um and in the american version there's an equivalent to this character played by elizabeth olsen Mm -hmm. um but it's a little bit it's a little bit different 
he runs into her at um, some sort of medical care van that's providing free care to the homeless. Yeah. He wakes up after being released from his prison and just sort of runs into her and Yeah, he's she chasing takes after care a him. woman in a yellow raincoat or is she wearing she has a yellow umbrella? She's she's got an umbrella. And yeah. he's chasing after her because she's the only person he sees and he's just woken up out of a suitcase and she sort of leads him to the van. And I should clarify that Elizabeth Olsen is playing um, this sounds a insane. nurse, not a this homeless This sounds so woman. insane. Like, nothing that we're saying makes any sense. <laughs> well, I think it's important to share at this point. I know sometimes we like to reveal the plot slowly in this podcast. This is a contrived meeting, both him meeting the woman as a sushi chef and also as a nurse the same person who has imprisoned him has sort of had a hand in deciding where he's going to release him and orchestrates his meeting with this woman. Mm-hmm. So it's revealed as the movie goes on that this person, whoever he is, is continuing to manipulate and control the main character's life. Yeah, And we did know, at least in the Korean version, we knew that he had been like gassed and hypnotized. Hypnotized. They took the hypnosis out of the American version? I, I think they took it out, or it wasn't like as explicit. If it was in it, wasn't I, no, enough I for think, me to remember it. I think they just took it out. Oh, yeah, I think so. There's a couple changes that we're going to get into, uh, but I think that's one of them. It's really all just one fundamental change that I, I think they had to tweak a few things around the margins to, to make this one change work. We'll get into that in a few minutes. To sort of round out this topic of how the 2013 version does the same as the 2003 version, but tries to do it sort of bigger and better, I think one example of that is the jailer. So the main character has been in prison for 15 or 20 years, depending on the movie. One of the first things he manages to do is find and interrogate the jailer who was sort of maintaining this hotel prison system. In the 2003 version, that character is Mr. Park, played by Odalsu. And in the 2013 version, it is Cheney, played by Samuel L. Jackson. The moment that I'm focusing on here in terms of comparison is his interrogation of the jailer, which is really a torture scene. He's torturing him for information. Mm-hmm. And in the 2003 version, armed with a hammer, which is sort of his like iconic weapon in that movie, yeah. he pops out the teeth of Mr. Park. Yeah, what do you call the back of the hammer? Where you The like prying part of it. Yeah. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. But, it but is... he, he pops out his teeth one by one. I can't say I've really seen this scene because I have to cover my eyes when it's happening. Yeah. But it's, oh my God, it's terrifying. But the character remains in the movie. He shows up later with golden teeth. In the 2013 version, I felt like they were like, okay, we got to top the torture scene. Mm-hmm. So they take Samuel Jackson, who, first of all, his character is just, he's got these ridiculous comic book hairstyles in order to mark the passage of time, basically. But anyhow, so when Joe Doucette, the main character of the 2013 version, is torturing Samuel Jackson's character, he has him pinned down and draws with a sharpie 
lines across like a his, dashed line yeah a dashed line neck. across his his neck across his throat and you don't know necessarily like okay what is he about to do and what he ends up doing is taking a like, like a, a box cutter a yeah, utility a knife cutter. and cutting out those like dash little, lines little rectangles out of his out of the skin of his neck and he says that he wants to do it until he can remove Samuel Jackson's head with just his hands. A like terrifying and disturbing thing, but also makes my mind start to go of like, is it just the skin that's gonna stop him from being able to do that? It's not like the vertebrae in the back of his neck. Like I'm just like, what even is this? This is like maybe too creative of a torture. It's like just... it's so much more effective with the hammer. I don't know. Do you know? how much more it feels to me like we saw more of the neck stuff than we did of the tooth stuff you mean in terms of like the gore and of like actually showing you i think so yeah we see him like take a piece of flesh in his hand and like toss it aside you know a piece of his neck essentially and i don't think we ever see that with the teeth you know we see him like put the hammer into his mouth and, you know, put the tooth between the prongs or whatever. And then we hear, like, the the wrenching sound. But we don't see it. Mm. I mean, we didn't need to see any of it. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But can I go back for a second? Because prior to this scene, in both movies, the main character, Odaisu or Joe Jusset, is trying to figure out uh, who did this to him and where he was. And he doesn't know anything. This is like very pretty early in the movie after he gets released. Uh, but the one thing he does know is he remembers what he ate every day, which was a very specific. Oh, right. This is the clue that leads him to the jailer. It was a very specific dumpling. Well, I think they were both Chinese restaurant. Either way, uh, yeah, there's a specific dumpling that he's eaten every day for every meal for the last 15 years. He, at one point, I think while he's imprisoned, he gets like half of a receipt that shows him part some of the that name. shows him part of the name, but it doesn't tell him everything. It just says like dragon or something. And there's a million dragon restaurants in mm-hmm. Seoul and in New York City. So then the main character is going to every restaurant and eating every dumpling that he can and vomiting and going to another restaurant and eating a dumpling and vomiting. So in the Korean version, he, he, like, cracks it, and he sees someone who's, like, delivering, and he thinks, oh, this guy's delivering to where I was imprisoned. And it's, like, a very silly scene where you see the guy who's delivering the food on a moped, and he just, like, crosses the street, and then the camera doesn't move, and a few seconds later you see Odaisu running after him, and it's, like, very silly. And in the American version, it's, like, this intense, like, chase scene. Yes. It doesn't need to be that. I just wonder about some of these decisions, like, if Spike Lee was like, oh, we need to see him, like, be intense about this, you know? It just seemed very strange, like, the Korean version was very comfortable with, um, with things being, like, both serious and silly. Yes. And the American version was not very comfortable. Like, the American version was not comfortable with the silly aspects of this movie. I agree. I think... Because if you get the synopsis of the movie, you get a lot of disturbing ideas and stories and scenes, and you maybe don't realize that there's the funny things. Yeah. Which mostly comes from, like, the voiceovers that Odaisu is doing. Did they have voiceovers in the... 
American version? I don't think like so. Like narration? No, I, I think don't it think loses so. a lot for not having that. Or they it's certainly I mean, I might be completely wrong here. I just don't remember it existing. And if it did, it certainly didn't have the impact that I don't think there were this funny commentary has yeah. in the the original. I think Josh Brolin's running after or was he running? No, so was like, he on a bike? He, I think like he stole a moped and then like there was like this mini chase scene. Right. But, like, it didn't come to anything because we know that it's going to end the same way. Like, he's going to get to the prison. He's going to end up torturing Samuel L. Jackson. Like, I don't know. There wasn't a lot of suspense, you know? And And it seems more like continuing to treat him as a superhero action guy. Mm -hmm. Not a scrappy, like, driven insane from imprisonment person. Yeah, and there are so many moments where in the... Korean version, Odaisu is like, at times he is a superhero. Mm-hmm. Like in the hallway fight scene, he beats up 20 guys, he gets a knife to the back, he takes like a chair to the face or whatever. <laughs> it hurts him, but he's like, okay. The first time you see it, it's, it's like, it's awesome, you know? Yeah. But like, this guy is basically a superhero, right? But then there are other times like where he is just so pathetic or like, he's just wrong about stuff. You know, like, at the end of the movie, he's, like, trying to figure out how to get up to his, uh, to the bad guy's penthouse, and he, <laughs> he just, like, yes. can't figure it out. Like He knows he's what the, the numbers are, but not the sequence. He's figured out, like, the riddle of, like, what the numbers are, and it's, like, I, I don't even remember what it is, but it's, like, one and four, and yeah, he's, he like, oh, let me put one, four, let me put four, one, let me put one, one, four, four, you know, and then let me do them both at the same time. <laughs> yes, both and, at like, the same time. Or whatever it is, you know, yes. and he just like he can't figure it out. The, the bad, bad guy, guy just, just walks up, gets behind in the him. elevator, and presses the bright buttons, and he's like, "Oh, okay." I don't know. Like he's balanced between being like an idiot and being like yeah. awesome. That sense of comedy is <laughs> really cathartic when it's breaking up some really like upsetting stuff, like watching him be imprisoned and the the fallout later in the movie. There's no direct comparison for this one particular part of the 2013 movie that I find particularly irritating, but I think the lack of comedy and the sense of balance is part of it, which Mm. is when he's imprisoned, Josh Brolin's character, Joe Doucette, like befriends a mouse and the mouse has babies and he's like taking care of them. And it's like, oh, I'm like, okay, I'm invested in this now. All of a sudden you hear him being like, where'd you go? Where are you? And the next scene, his dinner is served and it's the mouse and all of her babies. That was so fucked. It's so fu- it's so fucked. No, But I- it also happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie. It's like, why are you giving yeah, me something is- so fucked up? What should be what's fucked up right now is you're being imprisoned for 20 years. It was like... It was, again, like, 2013 being, like, the only thing this movie's gonna do is show you fucked up shit. In the Korean movie, um, in 2003, you slowly get the sense that Odaisu is an asshole, right? Over the course of the movie. In the American version, in 2013, I think that's laid out, like, even before... Like, there are way more scenes before he's imprisoned, right? It goes on longer. Odaisu is kidnapped basically after five minutes and i think that uh joe Dissette is kidnapped after 15 20 minutes because he goes to the scene in the restaurant he was on like a business uh dinner 
and it, with uh, the guy from The Wire. Oh my God, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. There are so many more scenes before he. Yeah, and so he he's like he's he goes to this dinner with this this couple, and the man goes to the bathroom or something. And then he's like blatantly hitting on the woman, and then the man comes out and sees it, and he's like, "Oh, you just you just fucked up, you know." And then uh, Joe proceeds to get drunk for the rest of the night, and that's why he's drunk, right? Yeah. But we don't see all that in the Korean version. We just see him like at the police station, already drunk, you and know, then getting getting bailed out by his friend or whatever. I'd forgotten entirely that that scene was from <laughs> this movie. That that's part of establishing his character. David, I think that's like a really incorrect way of introducing the character. If it's meant to be the same character as Odaisu. Because I do like, like you mentioned, that it's a gradual introduction of the fact that Odaisu might not be (laughs) a very good person. Mm -hmm. Because when he starts out and he's just like drunk, it's like being drunk is being drunk. You know, you're just acting ridiculous and being obnoxious. You're not doing anything like terrible. Right. And then when he's imprisoned, after he's been there for, like, years, he says, I'm going to write down everyone I've ever... Well, even before that, he's like, who are you? And then he names, like, are you this guy? Are you (laughs) this guy? Are you this guy? And then you're like, who are all these guys? Yeah, why (laughs) do you think so many people might have... But then, right after that, you're right. Like, he's like, I'm going to write down everybody that I've ever wronged. And he's like, this guy. This guy. Yeah. This guy. This guy. And then you're like okay, he's wronged a lot of people. And then through the movie, he he sort of goes back in time to like try to figure out, like, what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and you see what he was like as a teenager. And you're like, oh, yeah, this guy was an asshole. And you also get that in the American version, but the American version, I think, lays it out for you in the very beginning of, like, this guy's still an asshole, you know, where I think yeah. it's at least a little bit more ambiguous of, like, if Odaisu grew up to be an asshole maybe he was an asshole but like not a terrible person you know like there's sort of ambiguity i guess exactly i think it is ambiguous and i think the fact that the realization that he might not be a good person happens while he's imprisoned and going crazy it's important to have that be the moment that those questions are being raised because if you tell us off the bat he's a terrible person who's going to hit on this guy's wife while he's, like, trying to get him into some shady, bad business deal, that's just a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But if the guy's been imprisoned and is just trying to figure out why and is desperate for an answer, then any possible slight he's done towards anyone could become a reason for this. Mm-hmm. So his whole long list of people isn't necessarily that he's done terrible things to all these he's people. He's just like, I don't he's know just what insane. I did. He's just insane. Anything could be possible. I don't possible. know what I did. Like, you know? Yeah, you know, exactly. It's like, these are all my friends. Like, I'd never return this guy's book or whatever. Yeah, you know? exactly. Any possibility could be the answer. So there is that ambiguity of like, we don't know how bad of a person you actually are. You just, we don't someone know any, clearly we don't, hates you. Until like late in the movie, we don't know anything about Odysseus' past. You know, yeah. in the beginning, like we see him and he's in the police station and he has a present for his daughter. Right, it's her, like, right? fourth birthday. So he's married, and he has a daughter, and he got her, like, angel wings that you can mm-hmm. sort of play with, and, you know, you can wear and, like, play with them. I yeah, guess. and he's, like, drunk wearing them and just, like... He's wearing them at the police station, <laughs> and the police are obviously not impressed, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's all you know about him, and that's, like, 
you know, relatively wholesome, I guess, except mm-hmm. that he's drunk on his daughter's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Right? So there's sort of a contradiction there. But you don't find out more about that until later. And in the American version, it's, it's up front. And the other thing is um, about Josh Brolin's character, in addition to the mice, which is... I don't know what was going on with the mice. But he's uh, explicitly an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. And in the when he gets kidnapped they give him like a bottle of vodka right like a little bottle of vodka every with every meal and so he starts drinking that right at some point during his imprisonment he starts pouring it into the toilet and you know kicks that so that goes through alcohol withdrawal he goes through withdrawals yeah i don't know it's it's more explicit because i think like with odaisu you might infer that he's an alcoholic you might not comes off as more of a bum yeah (laughs) you know i don't know Um, Yeah, so they both, they change in their time in imprisonment. But with Odaisu, it's just, I started training myself to become this physical, you know, like we said, scrappy guy who can fight. And I guess Joe Doucette, Josh Brolin's character, decides to become a better person while imprisoned. Yeah, Mm. I think that was the idea. So maybe he would have like a character arc. But then you don't get the character of Odaisu, who's like, you might still be an asshole. Because, can we talk about when Odaisu is released from the imprisonment? He's not released in a field the way that uh, Joe Doucette is. He's released on the top of a building. Well, okay, so so when Odaisu is released, uh, he is gassed and hypnotized. Yes. And then he wakes up and he imagines that he's in a field. Right or the hypnotist tells him you're in a field, and he kicks himself out of a suitcase into this field, but in reality he just wakes up on the roof of a building. Right? Oh, I don't uh, know if I realized that while watching it. Well, I don't know if the suitcase is real, but the field is not real. Like he's just on mm-hmm. the roof of a building, and then in the American version, it's like explicitly real that he is kicking himself out of the suitcase in like this field where then he follows the woman with the umbrella and then he meets Elizabeth Olsen. It's it's weird because I, I feel like the the Korean old boy was very comfortable being surreal and yes, not giant... doing things literally. Like or if we wanna show him coming out of a suitcase into a field because we think that's a cool visual of like how someone would feel mm-hmm. doing this. We can do that, but then just show, like, he's on a roof. And, like, you infer that was either part of the hallucination or hypnotism or whatever, but what's really happening is he's he's waking up on the roof, right? Yes. Let's come back to surrealism in a moment. It's interesting that they have them change differently when they're imprisoned. That first scene that you're talking about, when he's not really in the field, he's on top of the roof is a very dark comedy scene in the Korean well, version. Well, it's, like, uh, it's like an anti-save-the-cat moment, you know? <laughs> Almost literally. It, so in the Korean version, he's hypnotized, he thinks he wakes up in the field out of the suitcase, but really he's on top of the roof, and he looks over and he sees this guy with a dog who's about... He's, like, crying, and he's about to throw himself off the roof. Odaisu just like walks up to him and the guy is like crying and 
literally throwing himself off and Odaisu holds him and says, no, I'm not going to let you do this. You're going to listen to my story. Well, we should say how he holds him. The guy's leaning over, tie, the, right? over the edge and Odaisu's holding him by his tie, which yeah. actually is the opening scene of the movie along with like this like electric guitar type sound that yeah, gives really you a really intense, intense start and then cold cut straight into him but then, being yeah, drunk you in got the, like 15 minutes prison. later you you come back to that scene and you're like oh okay this is why he's here yeah, this is but yeah he's like he's telling this guy his story and then so by the time you catch up to him he's like all right i told you my story and then you see them just like sitting next to each other on the roof and he's like damn that was a crazy story and the guy with the dog is like now let me tell you my story and Odaisu just, like, walks away and, like, gets yeah. in the elevator and goes downstairs. And then as he's walking out of the building, you see the guy jump off the roof and fall down onto, yeah, like, a Odaisu's car or something. walking away and then the body just lands on the car behind him. Yeah. So. With the dog, right? Which is just... It's and, pretty funny. It's a dark comedy. And in the meantime, it, like, he was in the elevator with a woman, but he hadn't seen a woman in 15 years, and he's, like, holding himself against the walls of the elevator, like, like he's terrified. And then, so you see him walk out of the building, and she, the woman is, like, complaining to the landlord, and she's like, this guy is, like, creeping me out. This guy's like, going crazy. And then, like, he's just walking away, and then the guy falls onto the car, and then you're like, okay, Odaisu is a weird dude, you yeah. know? Or, like, he was turned into a weird dude, you know? Yeah. But you don't know, like, I guess, whether he was a terrible person when he went in, or, like, has this transformed him into, like, some sort of monster, you yeah. know? It's definitely not, like, I'm turning my life around and gonna try to, I don't know, be a better yeah, because I don't think they make they don't make Josh Brolin into a monster, right? No, they don't. They really focus on good. his desire to make things better with his daughter because both of them, while they're in prison, they're watching TV. They are given access to a TV, and about a year after they've been imprisoned, a news story happens that says that his wife has been killed. And he is the suspect. Everyone believes that he did it. And that his daughter... Because he's disappeared. Nobody can find him. Nobody can, like, prove that he didn't. Right. Um, And in the 2013 version, unlike the 2003 version, this is sort of a recurring news story. Different networks will, like, return to these unsolved mysteries and whatnot. And so Josh Brolin's character, Joe Doucette, is watching this every couple of years which always includes an interview with his daughter as she's like getting older and she's getting into playing the cello and everything and this is part of his his character development in the american version is that okay so he kicks the alcohol and he also decides i want to be a better father for my daughter i wasn't there when she needed me when i actually could be there and i want to be there now and i believe there's like a uh, an interview where she's like i could forgive my father for killing my mother and that like gives him hope yeah yeah well i, I think for odaisu it's like not explicit but he always when he gets out 
he the first thing he does is try to figure out what happened to my daughter and she got adopted by he's told she got adopted nor in norwegian somewhere in europe yeah, yeah like yeah some sort of uh international adoption situation and he's like okay well as long as she's safe i think that's okay but in the american version it's like very you're right like it's explicit that he's doing this for her you know like mm-hmm. he's pouring the alcohol into the toilet for her yes exactly we wanted to get into some of the more sensitive topics uh which is sort of the next couple scenes in the movies which yeah. involve attempted rape and his first sexual encounter yeah. after so, release. In the 2003 Korean version of the movie, he is teaming up with Mido. He goes to the prison. He escapes uh, after beating up the... Uh, what's the guy's name? Mr. Park? Mr. Park, yes. Uh, after pulling all Mr. Park's teeth out. But he's no he's really no further in finding out like what happened to him. Uh, eventually, the guy that's doing this to him sort of reveals himself. Uh, his name is Lee Woo Jin. The main character, Daisu, he doesn't remember. He, he has no idea. Like, what what did I do to this guy, right? So he's still trying to figure it out. At one point, he is meeting with uh, Lee Woo Jin, and Lee Woo Jin says, like, you should go back to Mido's apartment. And the jailer... Mr. Park, yeah. Mr. Park, whose teeth he had pulled out, and who has a grudge against him, has like his whole gang there and is like got his gold teeth now. Threatening threatening Mido and so Daisu shows up and uh I mean her blouse is ripped open and mm-hmm. she is uh tied to a mattress that is propped upright yeah. uh against the window or against the wall. Yeah, clearly a potential rape scene. Uh, there uh, is, yeah, even someone is fondling her. But I think Lee Woo Jin calls Mr. Park and says, don't do it. We're going to keep this going for a little while longer. So Odaisu, with the help of his friend, Juwan. So Juwan and Odaisu and Mido are sort of using the internet. <laughs> They're just searching random terms that Lee Woo Jin had said, right? Yeah. And uh, eventually they discover, like, oh, he said something about our old high school. And it turns out the three of them had gone to high school together. And, like, they didn't figure it out. Which yeah. is, like, very silly, but, like, whatever. That so, Juwan, Lee Woojin, and Daisu had gone to... Because Mito's much younger than them. Yeah, Mi- Mito's not... She she didn't go to high school with them. But they went to high school with um, Lee Woojin. I guess it was the Evergreen Academy yeah. and their their mascot or whatever was the, their nickname was the Old Boys, right? Mm-hmm. So then they go back to the Evergreen Academy and Odaisu has these recollections of Lee Woo Jin sort of, I yes. guess not quite having sex, but... The sexual foreplay. Removing of underwear. Yeah, clothing, he saw Lee Woo Jin um, doing things with his sister and at the time, he didn't know who they were, so he told his friend, and then his friend apparently told everybody. Way too late, Odaisu figures out, like, okay, this is what I did. I told everybody that you had sex with your sister, even though I didn't actually see you have sex. I didn't know you were brother and sister. Whatever. And like, you were actually doing it. It's not like Right, like, it wasn't a lie, yeah. you know? Like, I told my friend what I saw. Yeah. 
you know, it's just that this rumor got out of hand. Apparently what happened was uh, his sister heard the rumor and then started to think she was pregnant. And it's kind of ambiguous whether she was actually pregnant or if it was like a hysterical pregnancy or whatever. And she throws herself off of a dam into a river to kill herself. So that's why Lee Woo Jin is getting revenge on Odai Sim. And he figures that out at the very end of the movie. Well, Hearing that summary, the one thing I want to comment on is similar to Odaisu not being able to figure out the code even though he had all the numbers. That's very reflective of the whole story. He can find the jailer, but he still can't figure out who jailed him. And literally, Lee Woo Jin has to introduce himself and be like, it's me, I did it, you know? Yeah. Like, every step like of the that. way... It, even though it's sort of got a noiry sort of aspect to it, he's not actually he's not figuring it figuring out. Figuring it out, like even but pretty, Lee Woo Jin wants to play the game and wants to tell him yeah, about it. Even like pretty early on, I think like after the the hallway fight scene, he's like stumbling out into the street, or like he he like collapses in the street, and some stranger like helps him out and puts him in a cab, and then that's like Lee Woo Jin being like, hey. You know, yeah, Lee Woo Jin played by uh, Yuji Tae. Yeah, uh, and then even at the end, when Odaisu he thinks he's figured it out and he goes to his penthouse, he goes to Lee Woo Jin's penthouse. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, because Lee Woo Jin gives him like a few days to figure it out. Oh, maybe they'll come back for me, though. Yeah, there's some threat, but he figures it out. He goes to the penthouse and he's like. All right, I figured it out. You have to, like, let everybody go. And also, it was, like, pretty dirty that you, like, hypnotized me to make me forget. And Lee Jin's like, man, like, why do you think you forgot? He's like, you just forgot. Like, you just don't know all this. Yeah. You just all this bad, dumb shit that you did when you were a teenager. It's never really, like, addressed whether that's, like, a good or a bad thing. But it's, like... Odaisu didn't do anything really that terrible. Like, he told his friend, I saw this girl and this guy, like, kind of looked like they were going to fuck. And that's totally true. Well, let's contrast that now to in the American version uh, with some slight changes. I felt a lot of the changes were done just to make it seem like a fresh retelling that they didn't want. Yeah, Yeah, literally just to be different, not... for any specific purpose. You also have an attempted rape of the uh, female character. Elizabeth Olsen's character is Marie Sebastian. Uh, so at Marie's apartment, they have her bent over Which her I think, chair. Like, I will say this about the American version. I think that was more intense than the Korean version. Oh, yeah? Well, I think like it was a little bit more like realistic looking, maybe. Like, yeah, that's uh, not a contrived... Like, in the Korean version, they mm-hmm. have her like pinned up against the wall, like it's Temple of Doom or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And I know what you it's, mean. It's just not very, like... It's, it's, no, you know. Elizabeth Olsen, who I love, and I think she's a great, great actress and good in this movie, just seeing her dehumanized and, and bent over the armchair like that is upsetting. Yeah, it's very upsetting. That's a good word for it. Um, but it plays out the same way where the, the person who has been orchestrating all of this, makes the call to Samuel L. Jackson and says, you know, stop messing with Marie. We're going to let Joe Doucette have a little bit more time to figure out why I imprisoned him. And very similarly, Joe Doucette 
puts the pieces together with the help of his friends and with Marie to figure out, I went to high school with this guy. Yeah, it turns out he had briefly gone to a prep school mm-hmm. with like rich kids from Switzerland or something. The villain of the movie, the one who's putting them through these paces, he and his sister had both been abused by their dad. Yeah, so again, it was something that he witnessed at the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, tying in the alcoholism again, Joe Doucette, teenage Joe Doucette is he like was, looking for a bottle that he had he, hidden by yeah. the greenhouse. But he looks in the greenhouse <clears throat> and he sees a teenage girl student, female student, having sex with a much older man. Again, he doesn't realize the relationship beyond that, and it turns out that it is her father. So in this case, it's not a brother-sister sexual relationship, but between a father and daughter. But But it's revealed that the the person who's been orchestrating everything, the bad guy who who locked Joe Doucette up, was this girl's brother. Um, And it turns out that the father had been abusing sexually abusing all of them yeah because we we eventually see us like a flashback scene of um the father killing the whole family yeah so the father like basically brought a gun throughout the entire house and he goes to the daughter's room and she like starts taking her pants off and he kills her this is what right happens when dad comes to your room and he kills her and then he goes to the son's room and he starts taking his pants off and he shoots him, but, you know, obviously he doesn't die because he's in the movie. Um, and then I think he kills himself, And then he right? kills himself right next so, to the son who who survives his gunshot wound to go on and torment Joe Doucette. Right. So the villain in this movie is uh, Adrian, Adrian Doyle Price, played by Shalto Copley. He's the main character in District 9. But yeah, his, his big beef is, like, I think you caused my father to go crazy and kill yes my sister and kill my mother and shoot me and kill himself mm-hmm. and um, it's, it should be noted his whole mindset has been warped by his father's abuse to think that yeah he's like oh my father them. still loved me yeah. you know yeah yeah so he's upset about the the murders that happened as a result of of the family's secret it's never really explored, but maybe he's like in denial about what their relationship was, and like absolutely, it's, like his idea of it is like frozen in stasis of like he loved all of us, and all of our lives were cut short because he's the only mm-hmm. survivor, and he knows that his dad loved him. So where does this leave us now that the main character has discovered why they've been being tormented? More or less because the bad guy has told them, this is how you affected me. Uh, Going back to the Korean version, we're still in Lee Woo Jin's penthouse where Odesu has been having this conversation of like, okay, so this is what what you were doing with your sister, and that's why you've done this to me. But Lee Woo Jin is not done. He tells Odesu that he needs to open this gift box, and when he opens it, it is a photo album with pictures of Odesu's daughter, who he last saw, you know, before her fourth birthday. And as he's flipping the pages, it is her growing up, and he realizes that his daughter is Mido, who at this point he has had a sexual relationship with. He is in love with her. Li Wu Jin has succeeded in his aim, which was, I'm going to imprison you for 15 years so that you won't know your daughter. 
and you will do to her the same thing I did to my sister. I don't know if he would have thought about it quite like that. Of, well, he has such a, a disturbed mind in terms of how he views his relationship with his sister, but that is what he did. Mm-hmm. Same thing plays out in the American version. I believe it's... With an added, I think... Oh, twist, right. So the bad guy in the American version, Adrian, leads Joe Doucette down into a basement where he sees his daughter playing the cello. And everything else forgotten, he runs to be with his daughter, but there's a glass pane between them. And Adrian walks up behind him and basically is like, you may go, revealing that that daughter is an actress and all of these crime TV show interviews that Joe Doucette's been seeing his daughter in were completely made up and shown only to Joe Doucette in his hotel prison. Right, which I think is a cool twist. We, like, the TV that you think you watch is really just programmed for you. Having revealed that that daughter is not really his daughter. He didn't use a photo album. He uses, like, a actual video uh, projected so. on the yes. wall of yes. Joe Doucette's like, like daughter home, growing up. Home movies. And it turns Which out, I assume is actually Elizabeth Olsen, who I'm sure was photographed all the time yes. as, um, as a kid. And yes, because it turns out that Marie is Joe Doucette's daughter. Right. So the same, the same result that he was imprisoned for 20 years and did not know it was his daughter when he fell in love with her. So yeah. it's, I mean, it's heart-wrenching because... Yeah. You are left with that. You watched the romance of the movie as she helped him recover from the trauma of his imprisonment and helped him try to solve this mystery of what's happened to him and they care for each other and they they form this loving bond and then you're left with the truth of, of, of their, their relationship. relationship. Let's come back to her in a second. The way that these movies end in the Korean version, he sees this, he sees the photo album and realizes what happened. And Lee Woo Jin is on the phone with Mido and is about to tell her like, hey, you've been fucking your dad. Right, he right? has a present box left for her right. as well. Yeah, she's in a room with uh, Mr. Park and has a present and she's like, I don't want to open it. And he's like, don't open it, don't open it. And Lee Woo-jin is like, well, what should I tell her? And so Odaisu, like, he he begs. It's like a whole five-minute scene. And it's another thing where Begging. I think, like, yeah. there there's, like, some really long, long shots without any cuts, you know? Okay, but there are also a lot of shots of, like, candy glass breaking when he's fighting Lee Woo-jin's bodyguard. I can't recall where Mr. in this Han. sequence that happens. Yes, Mr. Han played it's, by it's about now. Kim Young-uk. I think it's right after he finds out because then he we, runs like, at them we lose all them, right? sound, right? Yes. And then there's like this chaos like fight. And th- there's no like choreographing to this fight. It's just like three clips back to back of Odysseus' actor being thrown onto these candy glass, you know... You know, breakable glass things, which is just like, I don't know. Maybe the people making the movie thought that would look cool, but it it looks pretty bad. I don't know. I thought it looked okay. It it doesn't matter. But so he he just, he begs 
uh, Liujin, you know, don't tell her, don't tell her, please don't say anything, I'll be your dog. And then you get, like, this really, like, pathetic scene of him just begging, and it ends with him... Literally barking, saying, I'll be your dog, yeah. Yeah, barking. Um, but it, it ends with him cutting his own tongue out, which is gross. Very, uh, yeah. But Liujin, for whatever reason, says, don't, don't open the box, you know, and doesn't make her do anything. Liujin commit suicide. Yep, yeah, he gets in the elevator and shoots himself. Odaisu gets the chance to figure out what he's going to do and the movie ends with him bringing the hypnotist from where he was imprisoned. She hypnotizes him and convinces him you're two people, you're Odaisu and you're the monster that's been doing this and the monster knows your secret and the monster is going to die after you take like 80 steps or something like that. And the movie ends with Odaisu reuniting with Mido and you don't really know yeah, you, whether he knows, right? Yeah, you don't. And he'll never be able to say. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's messed up. Uh, and in the American version, well, what happens to Adrian? Does he kill himself? I think he kills himself. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and Joju Set, after the fact, pays off uh, Samuel L. Jackson and puts himself back in prison. I think you can interpret in both movies uh, the bad guy's point as being like, you are being hypocritical because this doesn't, this is irrelevant, you know, like if you think like incest is really this thing, blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. but it's really irrelevant. And I think that Joe Doucette sort of takes that to heart and he says you're right like i was being hypocritical like i was being a terrible person i was still a terrible person even when i got out and i thought i was being a good person i was still a bad person so Hmm. i'm gonna put myself back in prison which i think is like a good ending you know i i didn't hate that was like i think the biggest change that and the like incest plot Right, which I think they changed. I mean, obviously, of course, to make it different because you're waiting mm-hmm. to see what, what the reveal is. But I also wondered if they changed it to make it more of a parallel to what he witnessed at the school. So just the father-daughter incest rather than brother-sister. Or maybe I'm overthinking it. When it first came out, I felt like they had changed it to make it more, almost to like nerf it. You know what I mean? Oh, really? Like, that uh, it wasn't something that the bad guy and the sister had, like, agency over. Okay, because because they're saying in the 2003 version, they're both underage choosing this incestuous thing. There's not the, the age difference of the molestation with the father? Sort of, yeah. Like, the brother in the American version has no sexual relationship with the sister. Whereas, I think, in the Korean version, they do Mm. do something wrong. They're also teenagers, and it's like, you know, is this this a death sentence for these people that Odaisu saw them and Mm -hmm. is going to tell people about it? I see your point. So we got to this discussion because we were talking about how the endings are different. I 
the thing that came to my mind with the ending of the American version, which I will say I had forgotten, <laughs> um, even though we literally just watched it. But yes, it is. It's very... We say that every time. <laughs> We're just like, we literally just watched this, and I have no idea what happened in this movie. <laughs> but I think it's a very satisfying ending, because... In the American version. In the American version. Yes. Because if you were sitting with that truth about something you had done, I just want to pack it in. Just, go, you know, be like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going back to be in this hotel. But it also, I know you mentioned Shawshank Redemption earlier. And I think uh, there's a lot of discussion about the institutionalization that happens in prisons mm-hmm. in that movie. Obviously, that's very different from the crazy hotel prison that uh, Joe Doucette was in. But, yeah, he's clearly been institutionalized. That's a good... I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, and he just can't handle being in in the real world. The ending with Odaisu, meanwhile, strikes me as a very selfish ending. Because we, the audience, are grappling with the truth that has been laid on us. And he's decided, well, I'll just make myself forget that what I'm doing is incest. So he is consciously choosing to continue to do this with his daughter by going to the hypnotist and that's not well not that's not great not necessarily i guess i mean i think like it's forgetting it's definitely hard to defend i I don't know i don't have the words to defend it but i think it's more like you're choosing to make sure that your daughter doesn't know Mm. and can't know right that that's sort of the choice that he makes, right? Because he he is begging Lee Woo Jin like to a not dog. Let her know. He cuts yeah. his own tongue out to show like I can't talk. I will not. You know me as a gossip. I will yeah, not. You're mad at me because of what my tongue did. Right. I'm gonna cut it out. And so he does all this to show like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything. And then he like he literally. I mean that's how he punishes himself. And so we don't know all the ways that he punishes himself. Like, he would have done anything for Lee Woo Jin to prevent... To keep the truth from Mido. Mido from knowing. And Lee Woo Jin kills himself. And I think in a way that, like, fucks over Odaisu, that there's no, like, moral way that he can, like, actually prevent Mido from knowing. I mean, he could just, like, he could ghost her, I guess. Don't tell her. I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know? I don't clear, know. Definitely end your your sexual relationship with her, but if he's hypnotizing himself to forget, then that relationship's going to continue because he'll have forgotten why he doesn't want to have that with her anymore. But I honestly view that scene... First of all, it's very... It's out of the city. It's snowy. It's in the mountains. And it's we're back only, with the weird hypnotist. the only scene that's not in Seoul. Yes. Right? And I... And it, it's already a very surreal movie, like, just with these moments mm-hmm. of, like, David mentioned the the scene in the meadow earlier not being real. There's a scene with, like, a big cockroach on the subway, just, which is part of it was an the ant. inside of his mind. Oh, yeah, it was an ant. Um, the inside of his mind after being in prison for so yes. long. It, it's done in a way that makes sense. I think it adds to the movie a little bit. It certainly doesn't take away. But I view the... I think it does add to the movie. I think that's like a very big difference between these two movies, but continue. Yeah. But the snowy mountain scene at the end where he gets the hypnotist to make him forget could be seen as not an actual scene and more just 
a temptation for the audience to forget what they know. You mean like you want it to be okay? Because yeah. for me in that scene, I see I see Mido more as like the girlfriend than as the daughter. Yes. And I think that's what that's what we want to see, right? Yes. We want to end with an embrace because that's and we what we want we've... to be told that didn't happen. We right. Don't know it anymore. And yeah. like we've seen the whole movie where she is the love interest Mm -hmm. we want her to be that like are you saying that it's just like hey you people watching this movie like yes you're part of the problem you know (laughs) no well i don't know if it's saying that i think it's just saying this is the scene you want here you go Mm -hmm. to believe that you would have to believe suddenly we're in the mountains and suddenly hypnotism you know is but i think the idea well hypnotism has to be real I think the worst part of the Korean old boy is that hypnotism is like a huge part of the plot. Whether or not you think it's real, it's like... Right, because that's how they they fall in love. They're both hypnotized into, you're going to fall in love with a man who says, who is this? Or like whatever. Right, like it's all all very uh, detailed and Yeah, Lee Woo-jin uses hypnotism to make them fall in love. Whereas, how does Adrian make Joe Doucette and Marie fall in love? I don't know. They just fall in love? No, the weird thing is, like, I think it's not as clear why she... I think she was, like, supposed to be there at that, like, specific time. Mm -hmm. But it's not Because the lady with the umbrella runs to it. Right. And then I guess Adrian just knows Marie very well and knows... Her dad's gonna be her type? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm sure there's an explanation. I'm for sure it. there is. Yeah, we shouldn't give them, you know, take credit away from the movie just because we don't remember. In the Korean version, it's like, all right, this doesn't make sense, but it's like they're hypnotized, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to make sense. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right that it's interrogating the audience and it's making us ask, like, what do we want and why do we want it and Mm. doesn't that make us hypocritical you know like if we want him to forget how is that different from him wanting for to forget so i think that was a good point like that's how that's how the ending of the movie should be viewed the korean movie whereas the american movie is like if you're american movie is like a finger finger in your face being like you need to do this you know (laughs) Which, like, I, I liked that. I liked the ending. Yeah, you know? because, and as I said, if I were Joe Doucette, that's what I would do. I'm done. Like, <laughs> goodbye. No, I liked, and I, I liked what you said about uh, being institutionalized. Yeah, I think that, I didn't really think about that when I was watching it, but it, it totally makes sense that he, uh, you know, he was put in this prison for a reason. For being an asshole, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's like his sin in both movies, right? It's, he's right. just an all-around asshole. Yeah. He didn't, like, do anything specifically to Lee Woo Jin, yeah. right? Like, mm-hmm. he reported on what he saw to his friend, mm-hmm. but he was a gossipy asshole. And it's like, all right, you're just a general all-around asshole. That's what you were put in prison for in, for the first in, in the first place. Now you've done something worse, but you didn't really know it. It's hard to gauge, like... On a scale of 1 to 10, what level of asshole you are. But, like, okay, I'll put myself back in prison, you know? Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, it does, yes. And Absolutely. so she never finds out, right? Elizabeth Olsen. We definitely get a final shot. I think she... Just waiting for I him think to come the, back and he doesn't it, come back. It wouldn't... Know. Yeah, it wouldn't work if, if she... Mm-hmm. 
she didn't get to live her life, right? That's the idea. That's like his penance. Oh, uh, he does. He writes her a letter saying that they can never see each other again, but he can't explain why. I can explain why. (laughs) Um, Yes. Uh, All right, David, you have promised me a hot take. Oh, my hot take is just that, uh, in the especially in the Korean version, there are some homages to Count of Monte Cristo. Probably the most explicit is what we talked about earlier with chiseling your way out of the the prison, which happens. we should also say they mention Monte Cristo in the movie. Yeah, when Odaisu is with Mido and she is chatting with someone online, and his screen name is like the Count of Monte Cristo, and Odaisu is like. Wait, that's suspicious. What? You know? The whole plot is, like, very explicitly kind of Monte Cristo, right? Mm-hmm. I think you could look at this as, like, a revenge fantasy from Lee Woo Jin's perspective. He was wronged, and he has spent the last two decades trying to right this wrong. Like, literally his entire life is is reoriented about around uh, righting this wrong. And... His screen name is the Count of Monte Cristo. Like, it's not Odaisu's screen name. At the end of the movie, like, we we, we sort of have that scene of when um, Odaisu confronts him in his penthouse. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't, like, he's like, oh, I figured it out, you know? But he doesn't, like, really know anything. Lee Woo Jin is like, no, my ultimate revenge is playing out right now. So that's, like, the climax of his revenge plot at the end of the movie he like kills himself you know revenge isn't going to be as great as you think it is like if you only live for revenge then your your life is over once you get it exactly exactly but like if you view the movie as like well this is just a revenge story for lee Wu jin it makes total sense right you're talking about as like a fantasy that he's playing out in his head no, like, no, no, it's like, it, this is real. Like, he enacted his revenge. Like, he got his revenge. Oh, yeah. So, like, is Lee Woo Jin the hero of this, like, revenge what? story? No. Well, I, no, I'm serious. Like, it, like it, if it's his revenge story, the antagonist of this movie is really the Count of Monte Cristo of the movie, and the protagonist is, like, the Fernand Mondego of this movie, right? Like, he is... In which case, Odaisu is the Mondego. Right. Oh, okay. Because it is literally, he is enacting his revenge plot. Mm-hmm. Right, just like the Count of Monte Cristo That's the takes whole... down Mondego and the other guys for everything that they did to him. Mm-hmm. Including, yeah. like, a weird, you know, it's not incest, but it's a weird, like, family situation. I, so I think the kind of Monte Cristo is like you cheated on me and got with this other guy and had kids with this other guy. I'm gonna prove that you're like a hypocrite for doing that, you right? Know? And Lee Woo Jin is like, maybe I had sex with my sister, but you're a hypocrite for all this other shit, you know? And uh, does this? No, it's that's an interesting point of like we're all the heroes of our own stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you can have the cognitive dissonance not to realize what you and your sister were doing, first of all, the person who caught you isn't the bad guy in any mm-hmm. sense, just for having seen what you did. But like, I don't think that Lee Woo Jin is the bad guy either necessarily i mean 
Like, he does these terrible things to Odaisu, you know? But in his mind, this is, like, a revenge plot. Only in his mind is he not the bad guy. Because, yeah. Yeah. He can rationalize whatever he wants. He's a bad guy. He's an evil person. Because of what he does to Odaisu and other people. And his sister, sure, yeah. He kills her. Well, do you think he killed her because... I think he killed his sister. So... We do see the, we see a version of his sister's death. We already found out that he, that she thought she was pregnant. Whether or not she was really pregnant, we just have no clue. I think she probably was. And it's Lee Woo Jin again lying Rewriting to his own history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we see a version of it, but it's like in black and white. It's like in, uh... Well, I thought all of the flashbacks in... In the Korean version, we're sort of in a sepia tone. Yeah, it's 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 just meant to look, you know, like a memory, mm-hmm. right? And he is holding on to her. You know, it's a lot like in the, the scene memory. at the beginning of the movie where he's holding the guy by the tie. Yeah, but he so in in the memory he's like holding on to her and like trying to convince her to like come back up, you know. And she's like, "No, just mm-hmm. let me go. Take this one last picture of me, right?" Yeah. And so he takes a picture, and that's like the last picture he has of her. But yeah, I mean, that's all from... He's a hella unreliable narrator. He right, exactly. He pushed her exactly. off the dam for sure, because she was pregnant, and then he walked away, convinced her himself that she did it, and she was never pregnant. It's it's yeah. not clear. It's not clear. Because, so he, he tells Odaisu it wasn't Lee Woojin's dick that got her pregnant, it was Odaisu's tongue, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, Lujan is just crazy. He's just yeah, crazy. like, dude, you shouldn't have... Like, did you... But we don't know whether they had sex or not, you know? Like, we just don't know. What, the brother and the sister? Yeah. Um, we know. They did. No, we... But, but like, if you, if you believe his account, then nothing happened. It's like... I, I just... I don't... I think it's so clearly that Lee Woo Jin just lies about everything. We see that they are clearly having sex. So I don't know why it's worth entertaining anything Lee Woo Jin says about, about his right, relationship with his sister or anything. Fair enough. You, you convinced me. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a piece of shit and a liar, right? Yeah. But I mean, I, I think my point stands about it being a revenge movie from his perspective where like he wins in the end you know and then he just like decides to kill himself alright well I reject it you reject the take? Mm-hmm. alright having sort of compared uh, the overall movies the only actors I really want to put one to one in the movies uh, how they were portrayed differently is the the female love interest slash daughter. Mido played by Kang Hye Jung. <laughs> love interest slash daughter. I know. And, uh, and Marie Sebastian played by Elizabeth Olsen. I think they were both great actresses. Mido clearly comes across as, as crazy, but then you find out that she's hypnotized. And like young and stupid. Yes, you young know. and stupid and naive. And Marie Sebastian comes across as actually like very put together. She like I think she had addiction problems in the past, but she's kicked it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's uh, she's out there just trying to help people, a very compassionate person. They're different characters. They both, I mean, you like both of them. Yeah, I just, I thought it was interesting that she would be portrayed 
so differently. Um, and one thing in particular about Mito is that she does come across, you just said a second ago, like childish. Like mm-hmm. she comes across very young. And in the American version with Marie's character, it seems like, what, what do they call it? Like a May-December romance? Like it can come across more like that. Like, yeah, there's an age gap here, but like it's not, like you wouldn't necessarily think right away, oh, he could be your father. Whereas in the Korean version, she comes across as so childish so often. And I, I wonder if some of it is, I mean, I'm hearing her speaking Korean and I, I wouldn't know like how to interpret inflections right, or anything, right, yeah. but her voice is so high and, and young sounding that she sounds like a child to me, but I don't know, you know. And like everything she says is like overly explanatory, you know? Yeah. So she goes to the bathroom and he like runs in and like kisses her and she pulls a knife, gestures I she at just him. Slapped him. Yeah. And I think she pulls a knife and then hits him on the head with the hilt of the knife, right? Mm. Or something like that. And then after that she's just like explaining to him for like a minute and a half why she didn't want to have sex with him, but why she why would she will next, next time. time. And then when we see them having sex, she has a lot of choice oh, phrases too. So, She's like, it hurts, but I will endure it for it's you. It's so ridiculous. It's very like, ooh. Yeah, what? it's so ridiculous. Like, it's, oh, Daisu, like, yes, because it's you, I want to do this. And it's yeah. like, I, and I, I guess you get the answer, like, at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, she's just been hypnotized into... But it's just, it's a, it's an unbelievable character. And you get the hypnotism as the explanation. But Mido is so strange. I guess that's, that's my only comment on it, is they, when they made the American version, maybe it's because she's American and speaking English that I feel like she's mm. more believable and understandable because I can actually understand her. Yeah, Marie's character, I get it. You're young, but you care about him and you fell in love with him and... You're not saying crazy, hyperbolic things, you know? I thought both were very well acted, but it sets yeah. a different dynamic to the movie to have the, the central character be so different. I don't know. I mean, I think she's really just an instrument for torturing mm-hmm. Odaisu. Even in the movie, like, we see her in one way because of her relationship to Odaisu, and then... At the end of the movie, we see her in a different way because of her relationship to Odaisu. She's never really hmm. gets to be her own character. but like, Which is weird because the first thing we learn about her is that she's like an, a very successful sushi she's chef. She's accomplished. Like and then she's been on like... We never uh, see her doing sushi, so... Was it like Korea's next top chef? <laughs> yeah, or whatever, like whatever the equivalent yeah. is, yeah. I also thought those sex scenes were very awkward and weird. And I think part of it is because... In both movies, you mean? Well, in the Korean version, I feel like it was very awkward, specifically and intentionally. They want you to remember it because it's so... They want you to be like, oh, this is so... Like, why is she saying, like, this weird shit, you know? And then when they play it later, you'll be like, oh, I actually remember her saying this because it was so fucking weird... And now I understand why it was so fucking weird, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, like... That's after Lee Woo Jin has revealed to Odesu the truth. He starts playing the audio of their 
their night together, and it's just more torture for Odesu. I think it's even after um, Odesu's left alone in the penthouse, he's just like there on the floor, and the audio is just plain. Well, so Lee Woo Jin told him, I've got this device, if you press this button, that'll stop my heart, right? Right, and... And then Odaisu, at the end of the movie, he like, he cuts his tongue out, and then he sees all this stuff going on, and then Lee Woo Jin leaves his button behind, and Odaisu's like, alright, this is my only chance, and he grabs the button, and he presses it, and instead of killing Lee Woo Jin, it plays the audio of them having sex. Yeah, it was just through a, like, radio and remote. it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's like the horrible... High-pitched... I will <laughs> Yeah, it, and I think you're just supposed to remember how horrible that was, like, the yeah. first time, and now there's, like, a new layer of horribleness, you know, yeah. to it. And, I mean, we should say in the American version, again, since Adrian is showing all of this through video, mm-hmm. that uh, Joe Doucette is left with the video of his night with Marie playing on the wall. It hits different when Mido is saying crazy things. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I think this part shouldn't take too long. In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. Which movie did you like better? Yeah, I mean, I think there are good things about the American version. Like, I... I, I think the ending is cool. They they did something different, and I I understand like why Joe would put himself back mm-hmm. in prison. Like I totally get that. That that makes sense as an ending, and that's cool. Like I mean, the beginning the, the beginning where you get so much background on him on Joe Doucette in the twenty thirteen version. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah. think they should have done that. I you know and I'd forgotten that they'd done it and I said it as soon as you you shared it here on the podcast that that was a bad choice. That's that's not how they should have established that character. I think also to take it back to everything we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, just the Korean movie not only is it better but it's iconic. I mean, those scenes are just notable in film history, I think. In addition to the things that we mentioned, there's Odaisu holding the hammer and mm-hmm. against the guy's head, uh, and it has the dashed line like oh, toward yes, his that's head. That's so good. And there are just like things like that that are not necessarily surreal, but whimsical. Like, yeah, a little bit whimsical, um, a little bit like outside of the bounds of uh, like normal life. I don't. Know, I think they add to it because. You're sort of in this person's head, and this person is crazy, yeah. right? I think that's cool. I know exactly what you mean. It's part of what makes Old Boy 2003 such a good movie, is it's showing you something you're not used to seeing. Yeah, I, I think on some level it's hard to separate how weird this movie is from watching it in another language you know obviously mm-hmm. we're watching it in korean and we don't speak korean right right like so there's like an otherworldliness to it anyway yeah but there are there are so many things that i think just really make it uh just very strange you know yeah. like whether it's something they're adding on to the screen like a dashed line between a weapon and the victim or or the voiceovers, or the octopus being eaten, or the suitcase in the field. 
all these things are just like strange, you they, know? They give you such a strong impression, too. And we haven't even talked about like the music and the sound. Yeah. Well, I mentioned the, the I think it's guitar. What if that like heavy metal basically start to the movie? Yeah. Just it's like adrenaline, like, okay, here we go. Yeah, it's just really intense music. But then the entire time he's in prison, every time the gas comes in and knocks him out, he hears the same little melody. like, And uh, then there's like, you hear that melody like throughout the movie. And most of the time it's when he's being gassed and then there's just like little other melodies and like i said the uh, lee woo jin and his sister over the dam you know just the way that shot like you don't know like you know this is a memory do you know like what's really happening because the way you see it you see lee woo jin like trying to save her mm. but the way that it's shot, you know that it's a memory and you know that, like, Lee Jin is an asshole. Yeah. So you're like, what is really happening? And just, like, so many things like that. And, you know, when they go back to the Evergreen Academy and he's, like, he's sort of, like, chasing his memories down. That is you know, cool. You, you, see, you see him, like, running left and right and up and down. And, and all like, of a sudden you're seeing the teenage characters in the yeah. environment as well. I don't know, I don't know if surreal is the right word. It's like trippy, dreamlike. Yeah, well, I think that would be surreal. It, it's just meant to be ambiguous, like how much is happening in real life versus how much is happening in someone's mind. And then that's kind of the whole movie, and like the very end of the movie, how much of that is happening in his head? Because, like you said, we're in a place like. The rest of the movie took place in Seoul, right? And now we're in the mountains in, like, the snowy field. Where is this really taking place? I like that aspect of the of the movie. Yeah. That it feels... You said otherworldly er- earlier. I guess when you were talking about, you know, we're watching it, not, not speaking Korean or, or being from Korea adds yeah. to that. But I think the movie just cultivates that sort of feeling. Yeah. I think the American version does not try to go for that. No, it tries to make it more, like, real Relatable. and gritty. Which even down to, like, the... Yeah. I know earlier when we were talking about the... Uh, or the theatrical rape of uh, Mido and Marie, which ends up getting cut short with the phone call, it's very real and, you know, upsetting in the American version because it literally looks like that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. But in the Korean version, it's much more like they've taken the time to tie her up in this, like... This is very silly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it adds to the whole, like, the atmosphere that you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. Well, I feel like that movie strikes, I don't want to say a perfect balance, but, like, a very nice balance between being realistic and being, like, unrealistic. The unrealistic parts of that movie, I think, like, you see them and you understand them, and they fit well with, like, what is really happening. And I think the American version wanted to just be a you know this is all really happening you know this is all what's real i agree well let me say this i don't always love things that are less than real i respect that old boy managed to maintain a consistent tone that was between real and surreal i agree does that make sense i agree completely yeah i know what you mean and i don't think that the american version had the same tone i think they were going for 
this is entirely real. Like, we're going to introduce you to this character. He's going to be real. You're going to understand him. We're going to move on. We're going to blah, 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 blah. You know, everything is going to be real. And sometimes, like, with the scene with Marie, I think that was more impactful, right? Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it didn't, like, the balance was not there. All right, David, ask me if I were to remake this movie. All right, if you, if you were to remake this movie... What would you do? I've got the most scathingly brilliant... Nothing. I don't think you can make it better. Than you don't the think you can version. make it better? No. And look, and I think there are faults with the Korean version that the American version even tried to address. In particular, the thread of his daughter growing up being present in the American version. Mm-hmm. But then you find out it's a lie. I think that made for a, a cleaner story when it turns out like the daughter is literally in this story well so we talked about this like i i can't watch this movie now without thinking the twist is so obvious right because once you know it you can't not think about it right do you feel like that is a i don't know like old movie kind of thing or do you think that's just because we've seen it so many times i don't know what you mean uh, if I was watching this with someone new, would they be able to figure it out? I didn't, but I was... This movie came out in 2003. I was 13 when this movie came out, you know? Like, I don't know. Did you watch this movie when you were 13? I watched it when I was pretty young. I was Ooh. a teenager, yeah. Oh my, I'm glad I watched it as an adult. It's an intense movie. <laughs> it's an intense movie. But, like, I think No, that... I don't... I think... I know what you mean that it seems obvious, but I don't think... I don't think people are out there guessing... The relationship between Mido and Odesu. I also just I love how Lee Woo Jin is just like you know why you don't know you just forgot. Yeah. You know like, like that like the twist is just that Odesu did something and forgot about it because he's such an asshole. You know. Mm-hmm. You know what's weird is that we couldn't watch this movie like online. Yeah, which is crazy. Because, like we're saying right now, this movie is such a good movie. Why is it not available on a streaming service, it's like, even to like pay for it? You it's, know? it's entirely unavailable. Like we, that sounds ridiculous, but we had to go to the library to get it. <laughs> we did. We had to get it on DVD. But like, I know tons of people don't have DVD players. Like, yeah, it's so weird that like uh, that we couldn't get this movie on a streaming service you know on amazon like you can buy it for twenty dollars like we couldn't buy it i looked on amazon like to buy a real version we couldn't buy it you know it's crazy yeah because it's 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 amazing film it's a masterpiece i don't know yeah it's like literally it's one of I, i don't know it's it's such a good movie if you have been listening to this podcast and haven't seen the movie then I am sure you are processing the plot as we laid it out. But you really, you have to see this movie. It really is. It's a, we should put it's this at the beginning movie. of the, the podcast. <laughs> and be like, just, just watch the movie, you know. All right, so the real question is, they remade it in 2013. Spike Lee remade this movie. What would you have told Spike Lee? Oh, that is a good question. Aside from don't remake this movie, mm-hmm. like you can't say that. But if if Spike Lee is like Claire, I'm remaking this movie. I'm gonna remake it. Don't tell me not to do it. What should I do? If I were coming in and he had don't remake it the cast, 
and the script and everything. Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, Elizabeth on. Olsen, yes. That Amazing. One, that one scene, I but feel like... But the one thing I would say you absolutely need to change is Josh Brolin. You don't like Josh Brolin? Well, I don't like Joe Doucette. And I think part of it we've talked about the way the character was established is like too hard, you know, too black and white. Like this guy is an ass. Mm-hmm. This guy's a terrible person. But also, yeah, Joe Deuce, uh, Josh Brolin being strong and, and you know, physical. I guess Spike Lee had an idea of who Joe Doucette is as well, opposed to Odesu. And that does culminate in the ending, which I like. I think the approach to the character should have been different. What do you think that Spike Lee's idea of, of Joe Doucette was? Of a man who has let vices get in the way of who he wants to be. Or like self-actualization. You think it was like a morality tale? You know, I I don't necessarily equate, you know, succumbing to vice as a lack of morals. Because there's a lot to get into there, honestly. Mm. But he's he's not who, who he should be. Like I said, you know, he hasn't managed to find his self-actualization. But then, even when he's released and has a chance, he he realizes it's still all out of his control and he can't be the person he wants to be. He literally only wanted to be a good father and he's been released and now he knows he can't be. Now that I feel like I have shared Spike Lee's point of view of why he made Joe Doucette this way, it sounds sounds very good. So I feel like I wouldn't be able to convince him not to make Joe Doucette that character, you know? David, I gotta turn it on you. If you were talking to Spike Lee, what would you say? It's hard to not say, you know, don't do it. I mean, I I, I don't know how he cast Elizabeth Olsen, but that, you know, she's so good you know and everything that happens to her character is great and i think a good change what would you have told him he needs to change about his movie i think spike lee can be more surreal than he was in that movie i think spike lee can be impressionistic i'm specifically thinking of like not just do the right thing but like 25th hour with, with edward norton and that movie, that movie came out after nine eleven, and it was so it was about you know someone that went through. They were twenty four hours away from reporting to prison for you know an eight year federal sentence for like drugs or something like that. But it was more about their experience in New York and you know sort of the post post nine eleven vibe in New York. And I think it can be about both, right? Like, it was about this one person's experience, and it was about the city. And I think that that's what Spike Lee does really well, is, like, he can include a vibe of, like, what does it feel like at the same time that he's telling your story? Like, do the right thing, you know? Like, what does it feel like to be out here, like, in the summer, you know, experiencing this? And old boy didn't really have any of that it didn't have like what does this feel like like what is the overall vibe you know it was really just like we're following this one person there was no vibe to it 
Right. I think there was definitely a vibe for the part where he was imprisoned, but it didn't connect to his release afterwards. It's like everything with the the mouse family and everything. Like Yeah. Yeah. I felt the way it felt for Joe Doucette to be in that that hotel room. I don't know about once he leaves. Could Spike Lee have done I don't know, how could how could he have made you feel that that's what I'm wondering. It's like maybe was was Spike Lee the right person for this, you know? Can you think of anyone who you would want to be handling a, a specifically American remake or I think someone that could have understood the comedy of the movie, you know? Not mm-hmm. that Spike Lee can't do comedy, but this movie was not his movie was not very funny, right? No. I think they they stripped all the comedy out of out of the movie and the a movie with a vibe that I think could have been attained for old boy is uh, Ex Machina. I think it has humorous bits, but there's tension throughout. Who made that movie? I should know, but I don't remember. It was directed by Alex Garland. He's done other stuff since, right? Can't say I know much about him. 28 Days Later, that was in 2002. Never Let Me Go. I don't know if Ex Machina was like a one-off, but even though it's a very different movie, it deals with the concept of imprisonment and you know, desperation. So I wonder if, if Alex Garland could deliver. But I wouldn't ask him to because I wouldn't ask this movie to be remade. That's a good choice. I feel like the that movie has like a lot of like lingering shots too. Mm-hmm. You know, and like a lot of like eeriness that yeah. is not explicitly like what's going on, right? It's just like this is eerie. This is weird. Very similar to the surrealism you've been talking about with 2003's old boy yeah yeah i feel like eeriness is is the and i i've actually i was thinking about it like earlier today and like that's absolutely how i would describe old boy it's just it's eerie you yeah. know well it was fun to talk about too great movie all right well i guess that's uh about a wrap on uh old boy thanks for listening this is claire and david 